All right, here we go. So let's go eat show. I'm your host, Bill Allred. You'll hear me eating in the microphone. It's the Let's Go Eat Show. It's what I do. It's really the only reason I I did this podcast. I ever wanted to do this podcast. I like eating on on the radio. I like people who eat while they speak on the radio. I think it's a lost art. Uh, it's something that people should do more often. They should eat and talk on the air. Because people eat and talk in real life. So what in God's name is wrong with doing it on the radio? And people who have a phobia of that sort of thing, and, and uh, my, my kid, uh, he has a big phobia of that, the producer of this show. I don't know what God's name he's producing a show called the Let's Go Eat Show, and he has a phobia of people talking and eating on the air. I don't get it. Well, anyway, this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show, we went to a, a lovely place in Midvale called the Hoof and Vine. The name of the restaurant, I, I totally misinterpreted. I didn't get it. You'll, you'll hear my misinterpretation of that. You know, I'm usually a smart person, but in this case, I was pretty stupid. It's a restaurant that has uh, pictures of uh, paintings of cows on the uh, wall, cows with pink noses and uh, orange and yellow faces and, and big sad eyes. But, you know, it's okay. We, we eat them anyway. And uh, they also have a lot of wine, and they have a, a lot of uh, beverages. They have whiskey and beer and uh, very good. I had a delicious uh, salad. Uh, there was a, a burger to be had that looked great. They have really great uh, uh, handmade potato chips. And uh, uh, I think Joel Pack, our guest, had uh, a, a steak sandwich, which looked delicious with the caramelized onions. We had a wonderful time. We had a great discussion with uh, Joel Pack, local musician and uh, record producer. Uh, Rigby Road Studios is the name of his outfit. We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about his great um, uh, his great antecedents or predecessors, his ancestors. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, his great ancestors in the Mormon Church, direct line royalty in the Mormon Church. We'll talk about neck tattoos. Talk about cocaine, and we'll play some music. It's all on this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. Might as well just do it, huh? Yeah, for sure. You're not from Salt Lake, though, are you? I grew up in close to Detroit, but I moved out since like '94. So Joel Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, how when how old were you when you moved to Utah? Fourteen. So. My parents, I come from a long line of uh, polygamist Mormons. So my great, 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 great grandfather was Wilfred Woodruff. Do you, are you familiar You're with You're shitting that? me. No, no. Um, on my mother's side. And then on my father's side was John Pack, who was another... Is that a famous Mormon name? Yeah. I, I don't know. The, where the family tree kind of looks kind of backwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started having kids. And they started with A names... Well, there was like Abraham and then mm-hmm. B, and they got to Z, and they kept having kids, so they started over again. So I've got a whole book that tells. So, so the Woodruffs must have hailed originally from England, and there you don't I know. Think so. And the Packs probably also. Probably. And then they they uh, came here, and uh, uh, but how did the your family? Why were they in the Detroit area? Were they there for a long time? or um, Like 20, 30 years. I've got six brothers and sisters, and my parents were in California and Utah. They actually met at BYU doing dueling pianos and a dueling b- piano class. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I think my mom was engaged to some guy, and my dad was in her dueling piano class, and he decided he was going to... Is that what they teach at BYU, dueling? Dueling pianos. Dueling like pianos. A, in, the, in the 50s. They were, they were in college like in the 40s or 50s, 60s. Like I have some older parents. Yeah. Youngest of seven. So. Yeah. Uh, so, so why did they end up in Detroit? Um, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. So why did they come back <laughs> to Utah? Them. Zion, man. <laughs> just, just to I think move. just to be, yeah, be closer to family and all that kind of stuff. Because most most of the packs were were back here. Yeah. Yep. What did they? Uh, let, let me let me just sort of set the scene here. We kind of just started cold here talking to Joel Pack, who I met just uh, a month ago or so. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, we probably crossed paths before that. But, yeah. But really, I uh, just uh, I got a chance to hear Joel uh, play. Uh, with the band, mm-hmm. <coughs> is it Joel Pack and the Pops? Yeah, yeah. One of several bands that Joel is associated with, and uh, at a at an event that we, uh, the American um, Federation for Suicide, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, mm-hmm. and uh, Joel uh, played with that band, and then yeah. Should we order some food? We're at a yeah. restaurant owned by a friend of Joel's. What's his name? Eric Rose. And the uh, name of the um, restaurant is Hoof and Vine. Why don't you guys order? And um, you know, uh, the, it's Hoof and Vine, and it's at Union Park Avenue. It's where the theaters are. And I've got some kind of weird tickle in my throat, and I'm going to cough. So should we just like... Do you want to take a minute and cough? Yeah, let's just take a minute so I can cough. Here's a minute while Bill coughs. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> mm. Maybe water would help. I've got one of those deep, you know. Yeah, let's do that. We're um, uh, having wine and uh, food. You know, I always have to try, because I assume when it says potato chips on, on the uh, menu... That these are not, you just don't dump these out of a bag, right? What's your name, by the way? Ryan. Our server, Ryan, Ryan. here at Hoof and Vine. When we first started talking about coming here and meeting musician Joel Pack, we, we were saying, no, it's, it's hoof, 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 hoof. It's a Utah hoof, accent. Hoof. It's hoof. hoof. It's hoof. Hoof. Hoof and Vine. Hoof. It's hoof. Do you, you all say, you all just go hoof, right? Hoof. Hoof and Vine. Which I assume it means, uh, so that means meat and vegetables, essentially. Mm, you got, or uh, vine, the wine thing. Vino, yeah. Vino, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess vine, it would be more. The grapes come from the vine. Yeah. So the meat comes from something with ho- hooves. Hooves. <laughs> it has hooves, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So so that would re- that refers mainly to the, uh, I interpreted that wrong. That's weird. Yeah, it was weird the other day when you were talking about it. I was like, he does not understand the name of this restaurant. I didn't really. I, I don't, and I'm I'm a smart guy, but it just kind of went. I thought, oh, it's uh, it's obviously things on the hoof, and then vine. Oh, that must mean the vegetables. No, it's stupid ass. It's, the, <laughs> it's wine. Not a dumbass. Uh, anyway, uh, potato chips are on the menu. And I assume that means that they're not just dumped out of a bag. You <laughs> hand hand slice them. Truffle oil, yeah. Well, that sounds pretty. Um, that's something you should do, right? Yeah, I, they're part of what I ordered. Oh, you ordered that? I ordered a burger, and and that will come with, with house comes, chips. Can, but w- maybe we should just get some of those. But you can't have any of mine. So okay. order your own. Some of those, and then I would like a. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not incredibly uh, hungry. A, a salad of some sort with you know, uh, so like a, a Caesar with uh, some uh, chicken on it. Yeah, is that good? Yeah, is that good? Yeah, okay. 
All right, that was per- was perfect. So, <clears throat> so Joel Pack, a local musician, uh, Hoofenvine is where we are, uh, Union Park. Uh, so actually, how to how best to tell people to get here and try it? And I uh, have your wife drive you. Yeah, that's which what is I did. What you did. Yeah. It's next You're, to the Century Theaters. <clears throat> Century Theaters. Uh, we'll get the exact address. Is it on there? It's like seventy six eighty. I want to say. It's on my phone right here, 7680 Union Park Avenue or something like that. We'll get it. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, music and Joel Pack's life. But I s- heard you guys play, and you were just terrific. Oh, thanks. And I said to um, Taryn, who organized the event, and I guess you know Taryn. And, yeah, I've known Taryn for a and, while. And she said, oh, yeah, he's terrific. He's, and I said, why is he here in in uh, Salt Lake, playing music, uh, you ought to be. Um, you, you really should be someplace in a big city, you know, playing out and doing gigs and making a lot of money. You're you you really are that good, and well, your thank band you, was Bill. that good. And who was the other? There was another band there, Sober Down, which you were also associated with. In- uh, yeah, I produced um, I produced an EP for them, uh, just a few songs, and that's going to be coming out soon. And then I think they're. Putting together some some cash for a for a full length album or something like that, but they're a great band. They've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. They actually approached me about playing bass for them, and I, it's not something I have uh, the time or resources to do right now. Um, so I got my friend Brad Verrier in touch with them, and he's an awesome bass player. So mm-hmm. they they do their thing, and yeah, and you pr- you produce a lot of other bands yeah. uh, in addition to having your own project. But but I I said to Taryn, why isn't he and and uh, as I recall, she said, "Well, he did go off at some point mm-hmm. uh, to to um, make his way as a musician somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, then came back." Um, I always stayed in stayed in Salt Lake in Utah County. We did our band uh, broke. We had a record deal with Maverick Records about ten years ago. Oh, that's right. She said the Madonna thing, and then yeah. when that all went to hell. Yeah. Yep. yep. Which happens like 80% of the time. Uh-huh. It's funny, you know, you, you go through something like that, and you think, oh, man, like, what luck. I, we had such shitty luck with this thing, and it's like, wait, I start swapping stories, and I find a lot of people and clients that I work with have the same story, you know. Oh, uh-huh. we got picked up by Warner Brothers, and then they shelved our record, or, you know. So. Well, that, I mean, in that case, Maverick, it just, uh, it, it had uh, great promise, the, mm-hmm. just the label, Madonna started it. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the the unfortunate thing with that was the label went under, right? That's correct. Yeah, it was it was like a month before our record was supposed to come out, and the uh, CEO of the label just kind of disappeared. And he went, I guess, he went to uh, Israel with Madonna, and nobody heard from him. And other people started running the label, and then the people who were running the label unofficially jumped ship to other labels, and. Yeah, a lot of labels were going under around the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was a, I mean, it was a huge bummer at the time. But I, I, uh, I think about it now, and my life path, and where things are going now, and things I've been able to do, I'm really glad it happened the way it happened. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the to the beginning, and uh, you you can't you go, you come to Utah at mm-hmm. the age of fourteen. Yeah. Uh, but you started your first band, uh, Umbrella Sauce. Oh, shit. <laughs> how, how old were you when yeah, you started? I was 12. Your 12. That, so that was in Detroit? That was in Detroit. Yeah, my science teacher was, my, was our singer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Umbrella Sauce. Yeah. Where'd you come up with a 
really awful name I like Umbrella Sauce. I think it was our guitar player. God, that's a, just a <laughs> really, really terrible, terrible it is. name for a band, yeah. Umbrella Sauce. Uh-huh. And uh, was your high your and your your high school science teacher was your no, he's junior high. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and you played bass. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what kind of music did Umbrella Sauce do? Cover. I think we played a couple of Nirvana cover songs for the uh, talent show. Oh, <laughs> well, good. And uh, did did you, did the people like oh, it? Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, people. Yeah, all the parents. It. Yeah, my my mom said I did a great job. <laughs> so you're from a you're from a big Mormon family. Yeah, yeah. And you were you a more you were a good Mormon kid in in uh, Michigan. Um, my my bishop thought I was a great Mormon kid in Michigan. Mm-hmm. You, but you you knew better. <laughs> you had another life going on. I, I used to smoke reefers before I passed the sacrament. <laughs> yeah. Did your mother know that? No, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> she still well, she probably knows you have kind of yeah, a different life. Now. I am. Yeah. yeah, you don't make any attempt to cover up the uh, uh, tattoo on your no score or no tarantula. That's, no, it's a it's a honeybee. Oh, it is. Yeah, for Utah, it has a little eight hundred one. Oh, my gosh. It, yeah. yeah, it's a so bee. I'm just, you two would be there best it is. friends for Just a little bee stuck in the web. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so good, good big Mormon family. Yes, Seven yeah. kids and all? Yep. Uh, where do you fall in that? Youngest. Youngest. My right? mom likes to call me the caboose. <clears throat> uh, how, is, how, old is, how old are you now? 35. How old's the, uh, the oldest? 55. Wow, so big, big spread big of kids. Big old gap. So. I was, uh, was a pleasant surprise. It, a mistake, <laughs> an accident, a little bit of an accident. <laughs> I was done having children. Like, how old's uh, the next up? From, uh, uh, he was like seven years older. Yeah, but so. he he left when he was like fifteen. Um, he yeah, he lives in Europe somewhere. He's a touring musician. He's a Celtic musician. He builds his own instruments, cuts down trees, and makes these double neck oh guitars. And he cool. he tours these Celtic festivals and plays. You ever see him? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, just. He'll start kickstart these Kickstarter campaigns because he doesn't spend a lot of time in the U.S. So in order for us to see him, I get to see him once every three or four years. We contribute money to his Kickstarter campaign, so he comes out and plays our family reunions. <laughs> wow. And that's how we see him. Uh, very mu- Everybody in your family musically inclined? Just about. my um, Well, about half. We're about split in half. One of my sisters, uh, Susan... She played Christine in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway for about six years, and she was in the touring company. I got to see her at the Capitol Theater back in 96, and that was cool. She's still acting? or No. She uh, she used that. The money she made for playing Christine, she used to put her husband through law school. So she is just hanging out, people, singing at firesides and stuff. Yeah, people don't know that, but you, you do a gig like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make a career out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia uh, Fleming. Fleming. Over at uh, Salt Lake Acting Company mm-hmm. was uh, in uh, chorus, line. chorus line, and she was uh, she she was a, a backup on Broadway, an understudy on Broadway. You know, she got to go on a few times and play the big role, and she was in. The, mm-hmm. And then she was in the touring company mm-hmm. and toured for many years with Chorus Line all over the United States and Europe. Yeah, and made a great living doing that, mm-hmm. and then retired. Yeah. And I mean, she she's she said no. I I did very extremely well. Yeah, loved doing it. Mm-hmm. Made a lot of money and yeah. then retired. Well, think yeah. about it. You don't have, you don't really have to have rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or a car or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's all for yeah. years at a time provided. Like, I mean, people on cruise ships do the same thing. They'll go out yeah. for years on cruise ships and make sock the money away. Huge yeah. money. Yeah. Ooh, Thank chips. you. 
so, uh, so then who else is musically inclined in your family? Uh, the, so they've got the brother and the sister, and then uh, the rest are, guess, I guess, kind of hobbyists. Like, the other ones are the, you know, I have my one brother who taught me my first three chords. He, you know, he doesn't do much. But, he, but, they, but, but, he, but know, they all know how to play. They all know how to play. You grow up, you know, going to church and singing the songs and... You know, everybody sings in harmony, and so you learn how to, at a young age, sing in harmony and read the notes. Yeah. And mm. uh, What did your parents do for a living? My dad was an algebra teacher. And, uh, and, a, and a musician? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. He, played, he would be the last person to tell you, but he's probably one of my favorite people to just, like, sit down and listen to him play piano. He plays, uh, like, kind of jazz Dixieland stuff, and he'll sit down, but he's... My dad's a super quiet dude, and he'd never... You know, mm-hmm. I'd have to catch him. He'd have to. He'd have to think that nobody was in the house when he'd start playing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really and he, uh, he he doesn't like to perform in front of people much. Huh? No, I think he's uh, he kind of likes. He, I don't know. He likes to give other people the spotlight. He uh, lets my mom talk. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom, mother likes to talk. Apparently. Sure does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, music. She's a talent as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody hobbyists. Um, you know, when I when they when I told them that music was the one thing I was going to do and I wasn't going to have a backup plan and no, this is, I'm not going on a mission and I'm not going to BYU and I'm spending all of my college money on my high school band's demo CD. You know, that was a, a tough pill for her to swallow. And you know, everybody's like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've been, I mean, they've been supportive in the fact that they, you know, mm-hmm. they did, you know, did your mom work? When no, she's a, well, I was a handful. She stayed at home and took yeah. care of you and whatever whatever kids were at home. Put up with my bullshit. Yeah. Uh, how many of the, uh, it's always interesting to me, uh, LDS families and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you have great heritage in the LDS church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, uh, uh, Wilfred Woodruff, direct tie to that, that would be on your mother's side. That's correct. Great, great, great grandpa? I think four greats. Great, great, great. Great, great grandfather. Yes. I get fed up saying it, so I just like yeah, four, four greats. Four greats. It's my gr- my four great grandfather. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's uh, interesting to me how many of uh, your siblings, uh, your parents, I assume, are still active in the church. Yep. very much. How all, many? How many of the siblings? All of them, except for the one that's in Europe. So you and him. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's his name, by the way? His name. Well, he changed his name legally when he moved to B Earth. So B period um, Earth E I R T H. I think it's a. I think B stands for Bobbin, or something. I don't. He didn't want. He he had the hardest time getting his name removed from the records and everything, and so he just had his name legally changed as soon as he could. And uh, and my, I felt like he kind of paved the way to make my life a little bit easier to be moderate because mm-hmm. anytime I'm not I was in the country, I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to go to church anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a he's a true uh, Earth spirit. Yeah, well, please. Yeah. I think I think we could go to your family reunion and just do a podcast with most of the members I think of you your probably family. Could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, and so you you come out to Salt uh, Salt Lake, you to Utah County when yep. you move out. Yeah, I was in Provo. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was that for you? I hated it so bad. It was the worst. I was 14 years old. Um, I was you know I had a mohawk for most of my teenage years and this was before mohawks were like a cool thing where you could sit send your kid to school with a mohawk and it was like oh this kid has edgy parents whatever it was before that and i was always getting in fights with the principal but 
I kept my grades high, and um, I got kicked out of jazz band, and uh, I why, hated it. Why did you get kicked out of jazz band? You're a good musician. <laughs> um, what did you play? I played bass played and the, jazz band. You play uh, uh, upright? I played upright and uh, electric bass, and there was uh, there was this one kid that was like a year older than me, and he was a great, you know, he was, he was, a, he was a pretty good upright player, um, and I had moved... I had moved out. I was the new guy, you know, and I looked, I obviously looked like, didn't look like a kid who belonged in jazz band. I'd get there half an hour early and play Primus tunes with the drummer that would also show up early. And, um, and you know, when you're young, you're, you're all about showing off, you know, like, and I was like, oh, I can play bass. I'm this bitch and bass player. I can play Primus tunes and whatever. So I kept, uh, overplaying on the, on the tunes. Mm-hmm. And he kept sticking me on triangle. So, <laughs> so I'd sit and I'd watch. Uh, I'd watch the, the sheet music. I'd be counting the bars, bar 50, bar 60, bar. Okay. When does my triangle part come up? You know? And then I'd start playing on, on one of the songs that he'd actually let me play bass on. And I started slapping a little bit and playing a little bit of, you know, whatever. <laughs> Joel back on the, tri- back on the triangle. So under my breath, I kind of uttered, uh, shove it up your ass. <laughs> It says, excuse me. If you said what I think you just said, you can go pack up your, uh, go pack up your, cubby or locker mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. you use when you're in high school no. so i went and packed up my locker mm. out out. out out of here no more triangle for did you, get, did you get back in no <laughs> um, what school was that the temp view high school is he still the teacher i believe so yeah did you um but you graduated yeah i graduated early mm-hmm. good gra- because of good grades and yep yep did you, and you didn't go to college no i uh First, my first recording, one of my very first recording experiences with a, was with a band called Strange Itch, and I don't know if you guys remember the band The Used that's from Utah. Sure. It was with uh, three out of the four guys in that band. They're still around, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. they're still recording, still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with uh, three of the four guys in that band, mm-hmm. and uh, we went, and it was this. I spent my college money on duplicating these CDs and spending the time in the studio, and it was supposed to be the state of the art studio. It was the worst experience Where in the world. That? It was down in Pleasant Grove somewhere. Some, I don't know, some shyster. This happens a lot with recording studios. Some shyster will invest a minimal amount of money into something and try and get a bunch of bands to spend money on recordings that are half rate. Mm -hmm. So I thought at the end of that, you know, I can do a better job on a little cassette four track than what we got from this. So I went to, I put my money where my mouth was. Went to the nearest uh, pawn shop. This was back in 98 or 99 and bought a little Tascam Porta Studio. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. And started recording local bands and recording myself. And, yeah. And that's what got you interested in producing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Strange Itch. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a bad. Now, yeah, that's That was not... a better name. That was much better than Umbrella Sauce. Yeah. How many, uh, how many bands have you been in? Do you know? I don't know. Probably more than 10, but less than 20. Probably. Um, bands that some people would remember probably broke. People remember. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. broke. I, I, I think I've we seen had, you guys play. Yeah, we had we played the Big Ass Show twice. Yeah. We had uh, two singles on X96 that were in regular rotation for yeah. like a year. Who else was in Broke? Who do I remember also from that band? There was a guy named Rob Moffat. Yeah. He's been my good friend. Brian Patchett. Mm-hmm. He was a taller fellow, and he uh, went on to... Uh, guitar tech for a bunch of bands. He's a what are the really smart people called that are like engineers, but they're smarter. That are like engineers, but smarter. Yeah, 
I don't. You mean I don't know. Uh, physicists. He's a physicist oh. now. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. immediately went to audio engineer. Yeah. I'm oh like well, thank you. Physicist. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. who else? Anybody? Um, and uh, who was our bass player at the time? We had a kind of a rotating bass mm-hmm. thing of bass players. Uh, and then what other bands have you been in that people would remember probably? Um, I was in a band called Illborn before that that we did pretty well. I don't know. That was like when the new metal thing was really big, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know. Uh, what you've, been, you've kind of been in bands that have done a lot of different styles. Too. Oh, yeah. I still, uh, once a year, I make sure and put out one record every year just mm-hmm. because I go nuts. You know, I do all this stuff for other, you know, for, for my trade, um producing and recording other bands and if i don't put something out once a year i turn into that uh that just like jaded dude that's like oh why am i doing this for everybody else i used to almost be famous <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh, i make sure and put one thing out every year you know this year it's a band called hot shine la- that i'm that i'm working on from the mr reason. hot shine car wash yes exactly <laughs> and then uh last year it was bon vivant which eric was in that owns this restaurant mm-hmm. and also jeremy uh jeremy condor he owns have you heard spilt ink they do a lot of mm-hmm. t-shirts for a lot of stuff he mm-hmm. he runs spilt ink and so everybody in that band are business owners now here in salt lake mm-hmm. that was my last year thing um along with a christmas cd and then the year before that it was uh joel pack and the pops so mm-hmm. joel pack and the pops is something i just bring back for taryn or people who mm-hmm. appreciate it mm-hmm. and i'm trying to remember the year before that was yeah. So different st- and a, some a lot of different styles. And- oh yeah, like the Joel Pack and the Pops thing. I was watching ro- uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and um, what's the movie about the plant that eats people? Uh, it's uh, Little Shop Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I, I watched both of those movies in the in the same week, and the music in both of those is some of my favorites. And so Joel Pack and the Pops was like, I want to write music like that. Um, and so that was just like okay. So, and these are all original compositions. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, so you, uh, I guess, uh, I want to go back to uh, the how you got into uh, production of music. You so you you decided I can produce things better than the people here in Utah, yeah. Utah County. Uh, and I also want to talk about Utah County and why music seems to flourish there. Mm-hmm. Do you have any theories on that? By the way. Um, I think because talk about just, that. just a couple of, I mean, a couple of the bands that have come out of there have been huge. You know, I mean, Neon Trees, when, we, when our band was playing the big ass show, you know, and mm-hmm. like we thought we were all hot shots. We just got a record deal. Neon Trees was playing the, uh, you know, the small state, you know, the small side stage and mm-hmm. uh, we're going nuts and we're hitting it hard. And then um, I remember there was a time when we were tracking, we were demoing a song in Vegas and the guy, the, this was, yeah, eight years ago or so. And the engineer there was like, oh, you check, here's a band from Utah that we were just track, you know, demoing some songs for last week. Uh, they're called Imagine Dragons. I was like, oh, yeah, we played shows with those guys over at Valor, you know. And yeah. these are bands that had shows that were not well attended, yeah. <laughs> you know, at yeah. the time. And um, I would love another. Thank you. <laughs> another moose drool for yeah. the Yeah. <laughs> my wife's picking. Uh, she dropped me off, and I'm Ubering home. So it's the way to do it. Take advantage of my afternoon off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, but but why do these bands flourish in Utah County? I don't I don't get that. I don't know if it's because you know, there's really nothing to I don't want to say nothing to do, but just like there's uh, there's not there aren't the distractions there, you know. I'd go to which is what I, why I feel like I I love living in Salt Lake. You know, you were talking about early earlier like oh you should be in Los Angeles or New York or mm-hmm. doing this or that or the other, and it's like 
I don't feel like it's <laughs> it's really tough to make a living doing what I do in L.A. or or New York, and a lot of these bands. It's like if you uh, if you're from Utah County, you can kind of make a living doing something and still put in eight hour. You know, you can have a part time job or even a full time job and still put in four hours, eight hours a day on your craft and really kick some ass because you're not you don't feel like you have to be hanging out at the rainbow room rubbing shoulders with or rubbing elbows with this guy that guy or the other guy trying to network you know some of these bands i guess they move to la for a minute to make those networking things but they're sitting and writing songs and honing in their craft and they're not getting i mean a lot of the bands are mormon dudes so they're not like hanging out getting drunk and partying instead of writing songs you know do you make a living uh with your music solely? Yes. Yeah, I have not, uh, I haven't had a quote-unquote real job. I haven't had a boss since 2002, I think I quit my last job. What was it? What was your last job? Managed a music store. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I was a... So it was like, still in music. It was still in music. I used to deliver pizzas, though, as well. I mowed lawns for Orem City. I've had all the, you know, I've had all the shit jobs. But when I was, I was about 22, 23, uh, so that was like 12 years ago, and I was like, okay, um, I've got guitar students, and I'm producing bands, and I don't have time for my day job anymore. I need to quit and just go 100%. And so I've been. Did that scare you at all, or did you just do it? Scary as hell, and it still scares me, Bill. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, right now I'm in the transition. We just bought a new, uh, just bought a new house in Sandy, sellout Sandy, I like to call it, because <laughs> we lived, we lived downtown. And uh, we just had a kid. My kid's almost two, and we'd be. I'd take my sons for walks, or I take my son for walks at like seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. And where we lived, it's just like there was so much. I don't know. I, I didn't feel comfortable taking him for walks in the morning. And the last place I ever wanted to live was Sandy, and we just bought this house, and I love it. I love going to the park and feeling like I don't need to be. <laughs> I don't know, know how well how well do you fit in in Sandy, Mister Pack? No, I don't know. I'm, that's the. The jury's out on that one. I've only been there a month, <laughs> so, yeah. and I've only mowed the lawn once. <laughs> uh, it, uh, the real test will be uh, when your son is uh, five, six, and you're going to yeah. the, going to school. Yeah, that worries. Yeah. That's that's a little yeah. People that's staring scary. at you and whispering. It's like, it's the tattoos and the rock yeah. roll. We'll see how that pans out. It'll it'll work out okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah. I figure if I could go, if I could handle Tempview High School in Provo, <laughs> I, I can at least give him some pointers. What was it? What was it like when I took when I went to your school and I had I I had really long hair at the time and I go was, to your school and well two stories come kid. to mind Bill yeah <laughs> first well the first time um, I I went to a private Lutheran elementary school for oh, a while oh man I hated and that in, goddamn place in fifth grade it was your first time you do the maturation program at school and I remember uh, the and and I'm not saying you're wrong mm-hmm. but it just was embarrassing for me at the time. But the guy teaching the maturation was talking about how, um, you know, men seem to want sex all the time mm-hmm. and girls don't. And, and you, you stand up with your big, long, hippie hair <laughs> and you say, now, hang on. Don't, don't you start teaching these boys that kind of thing. That is absolutely wrong. And he, this was at a point when you were addicted to the Nicorette gum. And you would uh, chew the life out of it. And so you started to walk towards the guy to put your gum in the trash can. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, is he going to – oh, shit, he's going to hit that guy. He's going to throw or, down. Or, or, oh, shoot, he's going to hit the guy. They didn't say, swear. So that was fun. And then the, the next year I moved to public school for maturation. And you convinced many of my friends that the apple juice they were serving as a, a treat was uh, – that urine we all had samples. to do a urine sample. <laughs> That's right. 
So, they brought this apple juice, and I said, oh, that you guys are all going to have to do a urine sample <laughs> in for maturation class. So I don't know. You can take that how you will. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, so you'll, you'll have that fun. That sounds exciting. Yeah, that sounds, like, that sounds like an adventure. You'll have fun. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, but it's hard. It must be hard and scary for you. I mean, you don't have, uh, you don't have insurance. You're self-employed. Uh, it's, you know, it's just pretty rough, isn't it? Um, it, it's, I think it's like anything else. When you work for yourself, you just kind of have to find a way to figure it out year to year, month to month. When I first started, it was definitely week to week. You know, how am I going to pay? How am I going to get through this week? And then it became month to month. And you just kind of have to adopt, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit and say, okay, we're, what's missing here and how can I fill that gap? And what, what am I really good at? And how can I just capitalize off of what I'm really good at and try to provide some kind of service in Salt Lake that isn't being met? Do you have a a, 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 a vision of the future, a, an ultimate plan of what what you want this to be? Always, I, I have to, <laughs> you know, always. And that, I think that's the thing is, it's like every, people want to do mu- They, you know, I want to do music for a living. If I could just do music, it's like, well, that doesn't mean doing music. That means okay, you have to put in 50% of your time doing things that aren't music so that you can do music for the other 50% of the time and having that vision of, okay, well, you know, at the beginning, okay, it's what's the vision for next month and then what's the vision for next year. And right now I'm thinking, you know, okay, what am I going to be doing five years from now or 10 years from now? And ultimately I, my, my goal is just to be able to be a vessel for people who want to quote unquote do music and be a vessel for them to do that and not have to work that day job, whether it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the the bands that I'm working with, getting them, trying to get them licensing opportunities in TV and film or uh, getting them hooked up with a record company to pay for the record and jumpstart their career or whatever it is. But my that's, that's kind of my ultimate goal is to be that kind of vessel for people who are growing up and living or living in Salt Lake or Utah County that don't necessarily want to move to LA or New York because in this day and age, I, I don't think you have to, you know, I think you can live where you want to and do what you want to do. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. It's, uh, and it's, it's smart that you can figure that out. I think, and if you can figure out how to do it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a smart way to do it and a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a, a studio called yeah. Rigby Road. Rigby Road, yeah. Where's that come from? The name. Um, I'm just a big Beatles fan, so Eleanor Rigby, Eleanor Rigby. and then at, they always recorded at Abbey Road, and I just thought it had a nice ring to it. You got the alliteration there. Mm-hmm. Where is it exactly? <laughs> it's on 39th South and Fifth West. Uh, my lease is up in a year, and so whether I'm going to build a new facility or stay there for another few years is I'm still kind of in the infant stages of checking out other places, but. Uh, Would it be hard to move? Because I've just seen sort of pictures of it online, and it looks very nice. Is it as nice? It's as nice as it looks in the pictures. I think it's nicer than it looks in the pictures right now. I had those pictures taken when I first moved in, and now it's full of uh, full of gear that wasn't there two years ago. I've been. I try to make sure that every time you know, every time I make money from a band, that I reinvested into the studio and the one piece of gear or that guitar amp or the one thing I wish I would have had for that project. I make sure to just invest into that. So. But it's cool. It's got bathrooms. Like bands come in and like sleep there. If they're from out of town, they'll come in and sleep there over the weekend. And there's showers there. And you know, for bands that want to like really get in the mix and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, let's get the whole band in there. We'll sleep on cots." 
and work 12 hours a day and mm-hmm. bust out an EP over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, some food is here. Maybe we, let's take a break. And um, okay. I think what would be nice to do is play something from uh, Joel Pack and the Pops. And why can you just suggest a song and then we'll download it and, and plug it into the... Uh, cool. I brought a thumb drive, too. Okay, yeah, maybe you can just give it to Dylan, and then we'll, he'll, he can edit it in. Yeah. Uh, anything off of the thumb drive in particular? Um, I like the the first song on there. It's called Cocaine in the Morning. It's the first song I sent to you. And uh, um, okay. I, it was we played that song at the Suicide Prevention Show, okay. and that was kind of a song I wrote about kind of uh, hitting rock bottom and wanting uh, – and. Uh, finding a reason to wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and it's a really peppy fun song so a peppy fun song <laughs> it really is okay. in is the it, morning cocaine is, in the morning and is it a bit is it a bit autobiographical uh, autobiographical yeah. yep okay well and we'll let's talk we'll about we'll that talk about it song. when we come back
And feel free to eat while we talk, because as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of eating while on the radio. And I hate it. I don't care that you hate it, because I'm all for it, and I'm going to bite a potato chip. Fine. Whatever. Ah! <laughs> There's something about that sound he can't stand. It's is a it disease. sound, or is it this? It mouth no. noises. I don't like mouth noises. It's a, I realized recently somebody sent me an email that talked about this disease where you have an aversion to a sound, and it's almost always people who don't like mouth noises. Now, I don't, I don't care for mouth noises on the radio if they have no purpose. Uh, there is a, a person on our morning show, and I, I, who will remain nameless, who often does a lot of this on the radio. Yeah, I know. Gina makes now, those noises. I don't care for that. Now, I don't mind a mouth noise if it has a purpose. If it's eating, that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. No, because there's a pur- purpose behind that noise. Well, anyway. Oh, go sitting, ahead, but if you're just sitting listening to somebody talk and you have your mouth to the mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... <laughs> Let's talk about uh, cocaine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. The song that uh, Joel Pack just did. Uh, first of all, talk about the players on it mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, what uh, the arrangement, and then what was was behind that song? How long cool. ago, long ago you did it? I did that song probably it was about three years ago. I was in my old studio. Um, one of the you know just one of the projects that I say, okay, I need a pet project that I'm involved in that I write all the songs on to put out once a year. And I think that was the first song I wrote out of all those. Um, I played and wrote everything except for my good friend Rob, who was in Broke with me, Broke City. Um, he played drums on it, and um, that song, kind of the crux of it, is uh, you know I used to back after, right after our band got dropped from Maverick, and I was uh, living with all my newly found bad influence druggy friends, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, take two or three bumps of coke in the morning to kind of get myself pepped up and then another two or three a couple hours later and then two or three a couple hours later and, and um it's how that expensive goes. it is man yeah um robin williams said coke is god telling you you have too much money <laughs> yeah i didn't always get the good stuff mm. um but anyway um i was uh i don't i mean i don't want to get too heavy well okay i'm gonna get you heavy can. i'm gonna get heavy so there was a show that we played um, as, you know, Broke City after we had been after we had been dropped and I had snorted up the last of my coke right before the show started in the bathroom over at, down at Valor and Provo where all the big bands in Provo break. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody had somebody to go home with and some, you know, a wife or a girlfriend to call home. And I just went home myself by myself and all my coke was gone. And we had just played our show, and it was as things were kind of waning for our band. We used to play Velour and sell it out two nights in a row, and everybody, you know, gave a shit about us, and my ego was nice and inflated and everything. And this was at the tail end of that, where it's like, okay, well, we didn't sell it out tonight, and everybody's got somebody to go home to except for me, and I was feeling sorry for myself. And Taryn actually came over that night afterwards, um, and we had a little chat, and I was not feeling so awesome and then after she left um i had a half uh or had a one of those uh packets of sleeping pills i don't remember if it was ambien or uh or just one of the over-counter things but i had a bunch of those and i had about you know those big gallon bottles of uh 
the real the cheapest vodka. You, I don't remember if it was Svedka or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking Popov. Popov. Yeah, I actually do think it was Popov. Mm-hmm. Had the red had the red yeah. thing Tetris had the red Tetris looking thing on the yeah. front. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking that was, that was kind of my thought was okay. It's three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Um, why wake up tomorrow? What's the point? And um, you know. <laughs> I don't know if this goes back, goes back to the like musician uh, ego thing. But it's like, what am I going to be remembered for? Who, you know what I mean? What's this this failure life of mine? This failure life that I've led is that what I'm going to yeah. be remembered for? And um, um, I'm going to I'm going to keep going. And uh, so I started googling. I had a laptop, and so I started googling. Um, was this going to do me in or was this going to put me in a coma? Uh, if I take how many pills and how much vodka is it going to take so that I for sure won't wake up in the morning and that, um, and that I'm, you know, I didn't want to be a burden to anybody. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to wake, I didn't want to wake up in a coma or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, all that came up were all these statistics about, People who kill themselves and uh, why and this and that. And they're just statistics. It was all very left-brained stuff. And I remember thinking, okay, so that's uh, that. That's what I'll turn into is, is this statistic. And it started talking about kind of the mechanics of people who, I don't know, kind of the the brain mechanics of all of it and realized that what I was going through and what I was thinking was a normal thing. I wasn't, it wasn't like a special, I don't know how quite to put it, Bill. <laughs> I, I, I think I know what, you, what you're saying is that you were, you were just another schmo yep. about to commit suicide. Yep. That's you weren't, I there was nothing romantic about it. Exactly. There was nothing, uh, nothing, uh, you know, dramatic about yep. it it was just you're, uh, you That's, were a statistic yeah statistic and this was this was a choice i was making you know yeah. and um well i don't remember which google search <laughs> whatever as i was pulling it up there was uh something in there about um just needing something finding something to look forward to and um the only thing I could th- I couldn't think of anything I wanted to wake up to or anything I wanted I had to look forward to. There was nothing in my life, and then I remembered. This is where shit gets kind of cheesy, I guess. Is um, this girl I met on the road in Oklahoma when we, we were opening up for Thirty Seconds to Mars on tour back when we were cool guys, and there was this girl who thought I was cool and like cool like we sat and talked and we had platonic text messages once every couple of weeks and. And I said, you know, if I could, if I could take that girl to the movies or go on a date or something like that, and even if it's not tomorrow, if it's in two weeks or if it's in three weeks, I'll, I'll, I'll stay awake and alive for that. And if I still hate my life as much as I do now, then I'll make that decision then. If I can take this girl out to the movie, you know, if I can hang on for t- for a couple of weeks and figure out, you know. And she came out when we went to the movies. Did you text her then? Right there? No, we, I MySpaced her that night. And said, hey, uh, if we split a plane ticket, would you come out and go on a date with me? And, you know, it, we can do that. You know, it was just over Christmas or whatever. Or it was bef- this was in an October. I was like, I know it's kind of a, a ways away, but um, is this something you'd be into? You know, you want to I just want to take you out. 
And she said yes. And uh, we went to the movies. And she just, I don't know, she just lit a fire under my ass. And uh, and you so married that girl, I did, didn't I did, you? I did, I did. Yeah. yeah. What's her name? Her name's Maggie. Maggie? She, yeah, Maggie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she saved my life. <laughs> She's from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, she, uh, how, how long after that did you marry her? Uh, she moved, to, her parents are super cool. Like, uh, they uh, they were pretty obviously protective of her. Are you going to go be a groupie with this guy in Salt Lake that you met on the road? Some, you know, is that what's going weirdo on Weirdo musician. Yeah. You stay away from that rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she moved, she ended up moving out. That was in December. She ended up moving out in April. And then that October, so a year after I took her out for our date, I proposed to her. We were out in California. I proposed. So it was like a year. Yeah. Um, she, uh, what's her background? Is she? Uh... She was a gymnast. She was the number seven in beam. Really? Gymnast, yeah. She's super talented. She's got like, she's she's super nice and super like humble and she's just, you wouldn't think she'd hurt a fly, but then like something competitive comes up when she gets competitive with herself or you know and she's <laughs> yeah you have to have that to be in the in gymnastics oh yeah she's she, she competed like the college level or um she quit just before college uh she was she was in high school um but she was competing at the mm-hmm. national high school yeah, level that gets really really competitive yeah we watched we watched, what was it was it that show that show marriage have you seen that show i don't know if it's an hbo show or what mm-hmm. it is some people came on with these blue suit coats, and that's what the coaches wear when they judge you. Mm-hmm. She got all sorts of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Can't watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> You're in blue coats. So. Out of here. Yeah. Uh, well, and so, uh, and her parents are cool with you. and They love me. I'm their favorite. Yeah. They think I'm the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. Oh, thanks, Joel Bill. Pack, the coolest. <laughs> so, uh, so you're you're you making say on your business card. Yeah, just have your name and I'm then the coolest. Coolest. Joel Pack, the coolest. Right I like that. Um, uh, you, you are you have the requisite tattoos to be a, a rock musician. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Got 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 lots of those, and that was the funny thing. Her parents said they're like, yeah, after the first year, that's all we could see, or before the first year, that's all we could see was the tattoos, like. We don't even see them anymore. You know, they don't rec- they don't recognize that I've got them. You uh, you do you you go against the mold. My uh, my theory always is that someone with, someone with a neck tattoo is almost always a criminal. <laughs> yep, <laughs> almost well, always. An, I just never got caught. Yeah. <laughs> almost always a, involved in some sort of criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you have a you have a great tattoo on oh, your neck you. of a, a bee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bee is in the web. Yep. And what, what, tell us the significance of that. Oh, I, we were talking earlier about how, so how did you like moving to Utah? And I hated it, hated it, hated it. And then after about two or three years, I couldn't see myself living anywhere else. And so I just like to think of myself as just another bee caught in the web. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I, I like, I want to, st- I want to stay here and I love, I love Salt Lake and I love Utah. And my father was also a beekeeper. Oh really? An yeah. apiarist, huh? Is that? I didn't even know that's what they called. All I knew is we had fresh honey once a year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, apiary. Apiary. Ape, the, yeah, they call it an apiary mm. uh, where the bees live, and he's an apiarist. Oh, okay, yeah, he had a. If my, dad, if, if my dad's radio career ever ends, that's like one of the top things he'd want to really be super no. into bees. We I had love all the, bees. We had all the hives in the back, and um, you know, I always got. 
I, I never got stung too too much. You know, they're mm-hmm. friendly bees. Mm-hmm. And my dad would put on his uh, ET suit or <laughs> whatever yeah. and mm-hmm. have to go tend the to the hives. Take a smoker out there. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I grew, I grew up with that. And then I just thought it was always kind of cool that we moved to the beehive state. And we never had beehives in Utah. We had them in Michigan. And we moved out here with no beehives. And I hated it. And then it was kind of like my coming to peace with the fact that this is this is my home and this is where I'm going to stay. and. What do you see uh, the music industry today, and how does how does somebody make a living at it, and what do you need to do, and uh, if you're in a band or if you're a singer, uh, how do you make a living? I think there are, you know, what's that saying about there's many ways to skin a cat, <laughs> and I really just think being educated about the industry and getting as many stories as you can from people who have been through things and kind of making your own plan. I don't, there are no answers anymore. Nobody's, there used to be the romantic thing of, Oh, we're going to play some show and get discovered. And it's like, that just doesn't happen anymore. Nobody gets discovered and nobody's going to hold your hand through the thing. You, you kind of have to make your own way and look for something that you're really good at, that you're really passionate about that nobody else is doing and try to strategically make, all of that stuff align. Um, I mean, it really did used to be you'd play shows, you'd play shows in clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you'd get a manager who would book you in some bigger clubs, mm-hmm. and then maybe a record guy would be there and see you. Yeah. And, and, and that just doesn't really ever, almost never happen. No. You basically, okay, a manager isn't going to want to work for you until you need a manager like bands come in all the time okay well how do we get a manager and i'm like well how many people come to your show well we played urban lounge last night and 50 people came and we thought that was a pretty good number it's like um was there anything that about the night that you couldn't take care of yourself besides your drunk bass player that you had to (laughs) drag on stage or whatever well no well do everything yourself until you have enough things going for you that you need to hire and can afford to hire somebody to do it for you um and that's, I think that works with, it's that way with any business. You know, you don't, you don't go getting a lawyer before you have yeah. legal, legal needs, needs yeah. you know, and yeah. before, and until you can afford one, um, you can Google or YouTube just about anything you need to. If you don't know how to do something, you go searching now. And because that bar is set so high, a label's not going to pick your band up until you don't need a label anymore because you're making enough money on your own. I heard the magic number. I was at a songwriting conference over the weekend with people from like uh, publishing companies and record companies, and the magic number is uh, a million views on YouTube. Like you're, Nobody's going to even think about signing you unless you have a million hits on YouTube. That's kind of the magic number. Mm-hmm. And um, what a million hits on YouTube equates to dollars-wise is you know nothing, you know, nothing to bat an eye at. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, well, if you've got a million views on YouTube, then you know you've got something. And if you can figure it out in your own head how to turn that into a career or what your next move is, you're asking, okay, well, what's what do you see in five years or what's the grand scheme? I feel like everybody kind of needs to do that. And you can't hang out and be a Jim Morrison or a Kurt Cobain and hope somebody discovers you so you can <laughs> go be a rock star anymore. I don't think that's a – I don't think that's – Really, an option. Did you ever, did you ever have any formal musical training at all? Ever? I had a yes. I had a piano teacher at the age of five. You know, a good Mormon kid had gotten the piano lessons at age five, and uh, she taught me until we moved to Utah. But other than that, that's it. That's it. it. 
and then no formal business training or anything no. like that? No, I just try to keep my eyes and ears open and not screw things up too bad. I, it's, it, it just seems like a bewildering thicket out there, a, 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 a tangled forest. Yeah, so invest in a machete and yeah. cut through it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I know there are, there, there are these kids out there that have bands. You know, they go to, they go to the rock, uh, school of rock, yeah, and yeah. the garage. Yep, those uh, places are music great. Music garage, you think yeah. those are good places to I start? I think they're great places. I'm working with an artist right now, Whitney Lusk. I co-write with her so she comes to me and we write songs together she's 17 years old beautiful voice she came up i don't remember if it was the music garage or the rock school of rock or one of those she did they're both pretty pretty good yeah yeah all of any of those places you know they mostly uh led by people who have who love working with kids mm-hmm. and are good trustworthy people and mm-hmm. trying to do some good not just take your money mm-hmm. um and so she started working with some uh cover bands like mm-hmm. west country western cover bands and things like that and then we wrote songs together she came out with me to this music conference this last weekend she's 17 years old she came out with her parents and uh we were on these different listening panels and she has interest now from uh disney nashville um just that she plays it's she's like an avril lavigne meets Ta- taylor swift kind of thing mm-hmm. and she's just she's killing it mm-hmm. and she i don't think she'd be able to hang Unless she was in some of those programs with, I don't remember if it was Music Garage or Rock yeah. School of Rock, mm-hmm. but you really, one of the biggest things is learning how to work with other people. I'm sure it's the same in radio. If you can't get a, you can't work it, yeah. <laughs> you know, or get along with the people you're talking to. And that's, I feel like that's how the music industry is. And she's had to learn with, she's had to learn how to deal with and work with other musicians, some of them 15, 14 years <laughs> old, which isn't always the easiest thing to do, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, typically, who comes to you at Rigby Road Studios? Who comes to you and say, and how do how do you how do you how do people come to you, and how do you make money from the people who come to you? Um, it kind of comes from, however, you know, it goes back to the okay, how am I going to make my house payment this month, or how am I going to do whatever? Um, I've been doing a lot more commercial work lately. There are all these. Uh, multi-level marketing companies coming up, and they need music for their ads. So I, you know, I just finished up a couple of different campaigns for Young Living Essential Oils, you oh, yeah. know, and mm-hmm. uh, and then I've uh, done some spec work for Glasses.com and just these companies that they need music for stuff. So I I, uh, I provide music for them. Uh, local bands they just book on my website, or I, I do free consultations, and they come in and I they play me some tunes, and I play them some of what I've produced, and if it makes sense for them to do something and they can put a budget together and then and you'll help them. them. You'll help them say, maybe you should do this with your sound and yes, help yeah. them beef it up or, uh, or help them arrange things a little better. Exactly. But you know, you're not above doing anything. You'll, you'll write commercials. You'll, oh, write, yeah. you'll do anything. I feel like the commercial stuff, the commercial stuff, um, sometimes pays better than the, is that really? Oh, please. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like the commercial stuff pays better than, than the band stuff does because it's per project. And so mm-hmm. I can kind of allot my time the way I need to. And and so, I, you know, we were talking about the first Friday thing that I do where I record one band a month for free and try to document the whole process. Being Doing that stuff affords me the ability to kind of do these things where I try to give back to, to the local bands or to do my own project like Joel Pack and the Pops or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, tell what the, the first Friday is a video uh, kind of podcast, I guess, or a video web series, web series, yeah. web, series uh, 
that people can find uh, at where? Uh, it's firstfriday.rigbyroadstudios.com. Or if you just go to rigbyroadstudios.com, yeah, it's easy to it, navigate. It's there. It you. And uh, there, uh, I think the last time I looked, there were three of them there. Yes. I've got the fourth one is done. I just need, I'm just i just waiting back for a master on the final final audio track on that. Three the, the three I saw, very different bands. There was uh, Royal Bliss. And then who were the two others? Uh, Porch to Porch and um, Visitors. Yeah, uh, very different styles, all of them. Mm-hmm. Really highly, well, uh, high production values. Well, thank you. You know, thank nicely you. video video production, really good stuff. And, you know, interesting to watch, about 20 minutes long, half an hour yeah. long. I try to, I, I'm a big fan of driving, what was it, comedians in cars getting coffee. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. And so it's like, okay, tried to get something with about the same attention span of people. And Yeah, so, so it shows you how Joel puts together the... Uh, the recording session kind of talks about the process, and then it ends with, with a song. Yeah, it ends how with it was the put together. Exactly, the band shows up at nine o'clock in the morning. We make sure, okay, no matter what happens, this song is getting finished by evening tonight. And then at the end, there's like a music video with candid shots of the whole thing being put together and the finished product of the song. It, it looks, they look good. They look really good. Thanks. I'm going to tell Ryan. That's, that's, Ryan's the guy who does all the videoing and editing and everything. We kind of work together on the vision for it, but he's, man, he's the guy that puts in the hours and makes that happen. Um, I guess, let's just kind of finish up here. Uh, I know Hoof and Vine needs to get going. I got to go home and meet the furnace guys. <laughs> that's my fun thing to do for the afternoon. Um, Bands, uh, local band. This kind of puts you on the spot. May, and mm-hmm. I don't. Know, maybe you don't want to talk about this, okay. but local bands uh, that you really like right now, and music that you really like right now, mm-hmm. and maybe stuff that you know is kind of off the radar that people should pay attention to. I brought a list, Bill. Jeez, so, <laughs> really? Yeah, my wife, man. Like I'm sorry, like I was saying, I'm trying to get her to manage the studio. She says, "Do you have a list of bands that you're working with that you?" That if he asks you about, and I was like, yeah, I, yeah, that be, I mean, stuff that's really good right now, yeah, and maybe where people can go hear samples, and, yeah. Well, the Royal Bliss stuff you talked about, that their new stuff. I mean, if what you're, is the name of that song again that I really like? Drown with Me? Drown with Me? Yeah, they're those guys. Yeah. I think I'm good. Thank you. I think we're good. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for having us. Excellent. Hoof and Vine, ladies and gentlemen. What's the address? Exact address here. What's the exact address here? Is it 7680 uh, South and 7680 South Union Park. Park. Yeah, it's it's where the big the, the theaters are. Union Park Avenue. Yeah. Union yeah. Park you got Avenue. It. 7680 yeah. South. So Royal Bliss is cool. <laughs> I just produced the t- two two new Air Supply singles. I don't know if you remember that band from Yeah, the Air 80s. Supply the the guy one one Graham? of the guys are both of them. Graham lives uh Graham lives here. I've and been working has, with him and has for years. Yep. Uh, who, who else do I know that were that uh, drummer lives here? That's all worked with them oh, for okay. a lot. And uh, Johnny Lightfoot's their bass player. He's yeah. here. And uh, and then I think Kurt Bester has done stuff with them. And mm-hmm. yeah, Air Supply. Mm-hmm. I'm all out of love. I'm so this, lost. They, they, what did they start? New Zealand or Australia? Or? Uh, Australia. Yeah, Australia. So they had huge. Uh, they must. I mean, that guy must be rolling in money. I don't know. He, when I try to, I try to think of the uh, the studio as a safe place. So when he comes into work, I try not to ask him about that yeah. stuff. Huge hits. What do, What have you been doing with him? 
Uh, there's two new singles they just put out. One of them is called Adore You, and then the other one is called Shake It. Mm-hmm. They just put out a video for Adore You. Um, they're also... One Under thing, the name Air Supply. Yes, they weren't going to be Air Supply singles. They were going to be for a uh, musical that Graham, Graham writes musicals. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to be songs for musical, and he was... The band liked the uh, liked the song so much they we engineered them as an air supply single. So. And is it uh, produced by Joel Pack or is it yep. is that, uh, yeah. way to go? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, air supply Royal Bliss. There's a band called Holy Water Buffalo out of Park City. They're really cool. I've heard of them. Have not heard them. Cool. I'll I'll get you. Uh, I've got a thumb drive. I'll get you guys some of that some of those tunes. Okay. Uh, Wildcat Strike is a great band. I'm about to go in the studio with a band called Problem Daughter. They're this punk rock band. I come, I came up from like punk rock roots. I used to, that was my jam. And there's this punk rock band called uh, Problem Daughter. I'm excited about. We're gonna hammer out an entire album in three days, <laughs> so I'm pumped on that. Good. Uh, Visitors, cool. Porch to Porch is one of those bands on uh, mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah, I don't know. So those look look for those bands. Yeah. Uh, Joel Pack producing a lot of mm-hmm. all of those bands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and one more kid. I want Jake Johnson. He's an 18 year old kid. His dad plays uh, his dad plays bass for Bon Jovi, and I, I got his his name's Hugh McDonald. I got to write some songs with him last year, and I've been producing his son Jake, and he just got picked to go on the Kiss cruise. At the end of the month, you know, Kiss does these like Caribbean cruise type things. Of course, things. they do. Sure. Yeah, so he's going. He just found out this last week. He's going on a cruise with and opening it for Kiss at the end of the month. So check out his album. Cool. Doesn't come out till like December, I think. Mm. But have you ever thought about? You know, you mentioned early in the interview that you really like music from uh, Little Shop of Horrors yeah. and uh, another musical you mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever thought of writing a musical? That would. I've never thought of it, but that. I you know, mean, thank you for planting that seed. You know, it's a... Uh, <laughs> 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 Might as well. Bill just planted a seed. <laughs> <laughs> I planted my seed in Joel Pack. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, doesn't mm. it? Uh, Joel, it's been a pleasure chatting with I you. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you meeting me. Um, we've had a great time, great afternoon here at the... Hoof and Vine. Uh, thank your friend. Uh, his name is Eric Rose. Eric Rose, uh, a fine restaurant here. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a good burger. Uh, and they are open for lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of small, I guess. Or that looks like there might be more room back in yeah. there that I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a charming little place. And uh, 7680 South Union Park Avenue, Midvale, Utah. Yeah, very nice. And uh, I'll come back here. I hope we have more association. I'm, me too. Yep. And um, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Dylan, for producing the show. You're welcome. And thanks, having Dylan. a burger. Uh, my best to your wife, who I'm sorry I didn't get to really get a chance to meet her at, uh, at the right. event the other day. But that's I'm right. sure we'll meet her again. Yep. See her sometime. That's it. Uh, I'm Bill Allred. That's... Uh, The Let's Go Eat Show. And remember, everybody, when you're pouring the drinks, always, always make mine a double.